you know, I went from just starting buying the properties to basically going down to one day a week, basically quitting mm -hmm. in three years. So it shows you that if you move quickly and work hard, you can really make something happen. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode three, with your hosts, Matt and Kellen. On Fire is a weekly podcast where we discuss financial independence, life hacking, frugality, minimalism, and living within your means. And we want this to continue to be a weekly podcast, but in order to do that, we need reviews. We need all the reviews, we need all the stars. So if you guys can go on to whatever platform you're using and just leave us a written review, it doesn't even really matter what you say, just leave us a review and leave us five stars that'd be fantastic it's the way all these podcasting apps determine your rankings so we'd like to rank higher in today's episode we interviewed dan warren dan has a very interesting story he worked at a grocery store for almost 20 years before he said screw this and found a way out but before we jump into that i just really quickly want to talk about christmas it's quickly approaching and recently i released a youtube video discussing kind of my perspective on gift giving and i just really see it as being completely unnecessary and last Christmas, I actually only gave away one gift. It was to my niece and it was an RESP contribution. I received zero gifts and spent zero time in the malls. It was the best Christmas ever as an adult. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm just a little crazy, cranky old Scrooge. How do you approach it, Kellen, Christmas? I really like consumables. Maybe I'm just a hungry guy, but being a wannabe minimalist, it actually stresses me out receiving material gifts that I don't plan on using but I'd feel guilty about throwing them out or donating them. So instead, I tend toward consumables and experiences. So things like food, drinks, concert tickets, things I don't need to store. I also wanted to quickly mention that in a recent podcast, Y Combinator interviewed Mr. Money Mustache. One of the things they discussed was the idea of an app to find other single folks working toward financial independence, basically a mustache in Tinder. I thought this was a really great idea it's hard to find other like-minded individuals, never mind finding a subset of those people who are also compatible with you. So people really underestimate the importance of developing a good financial relationship so that when you do find the right person, you don't get stressed out when they buy that Gucci handbag or the latest iPhone. I'd swipe right on that. Honestly, it's just so hard finding like-minded people in real life. It's part of the reason why I co-founded London on Fire. There's just something about on a dating profile or on the first couple of dates you have with a person, it's really difficult to say that financial independence is one of your core personal values, but it is. And so is being conscious of one's consumption. It's a big deal and impacts a lot of who we are, who I am. I know that's impacted. So I guess what I'm saying is someone needs to make this app a real thing. But enough about us. Let's jump into the interview with Dan. Do this. So welcome to the On Fire podcast, Dan Warren. Uh, Dan worked at a grocery store in Canada. He started working straight out of high school in 1996. He started investing in real estate in 2005, and he began investing in student rental properties while everyone else was running away due to recent events. Uh, he was able to quit his job in 2016, live off his rental cash flow, and uh, after investing in real estate for only nine years. So welcome, Dan. Yeah, welcome oh, Thanks again, for having Dan. me, guys. And so uh, I think the first thing we want to do is just kind of dive into your backstory. So let's get back to the roots. How did you discover financial independence retire early? And was there a moment where your mindset kind of really changed or was it a long progression? Well, I guess if you really want to get back to the roots, um, like I always knew that I never really wanted to work for a living. So um, I was always looking to looking forward to uh, to at the time I thought of course it, that it was saving money right because you're a kid you think you have to yeah. save money 
So uh, I always thought about that. And kind of a funny story, like um, when I was 16 years old and I used to get $5 a week allowance and my dad, uh, he cut me off when I was 16 because he wanted me to get a job, right? So I didn't, I, I didn't want to get a job. So I, I just had saved all that money. So between 16 and 18 years old, I just spent that money that I had saved up and never got a job. But then, of course, when I got out of high school, I thought I should get a job. Um, so anyway, so I, I kind of didn't want a job ever back then either. Um, it's not that I didn't like working. It's just that I wanted to relax, I guess. <laughs> I think a lot of people don't like working for someone else, right? I think that's a lot of the... Like, first people's uh, goal is to work for themselves and then ideally get to them, get themselves to a point where they're not even having to really work if they don't want to. So did you stumble upon the idea of, like, financial independence or is that something you just created yourself and then realized that it existed? Yeah, like, I just, you know, people didn't really talk about this type of thing back then. Um, you know, the internet obviously was getting going and stuff like that, but... There wasn't the wealth of information that there is now for this type of thing. But uh, when I bought my first property in 05, uh, a duplex uh, I bought from my aunt, uh, I knew that, you know, there was something to it. It's like the big spark for you, I assume. Yeah, yeah. I think that was the big spark that I knew that, hey, you could do something that, you know, wasn't a job and you could make money. Um, So I think that kind of leads in then to Kellen's question. Yeah, I was going to say, so why student rentals? So after that duplex, you kind of jumped into the student yeah, rental game, right? Yeah, just to give you more information on the duplex, uh, basically what happened was I had it from, in 2005, I bought it. And then by 2008, I had I had, had enough of it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> the tenants were driving me a little bonkers. And so, um, and also I was, truth be told, I was kind of afraid um of the financial crisis that we saw looming in the States. And I thought there might be a, um, a correction in real estates in Canada as well. So I decided in September, I think of 08, which was, you know, a good time to sell, you know, assuming that actually it would have been a good time to sell if you're in the States, but, uh, it goes to show you that even though it was the correct decision for me, cause that property was just a pain, but um, it shows you that you can't you can't time the market because then it, the market was kind of going down a bit uh, there for a while. But, uh, you know, then it popped right back up and just started marching on. So that's that, that was a good learning lesson for me that you, you can't time things. You just invest at the right price, uh, get the good cash flow and uh, and just keep acquiring properties. What do you say to the people that are like like, for instance, right now? A lot of people might be waiting for a crash before they buy in. What do you say to them? Like they're I mean, what they're doing there is timing the market. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they should wait? Do you think they should get in? Uh, like my, uh, from my understanding, a lot of times the market recovers a lot faster than uh, people expect it to. So missing out on the upturn is the real problem with timing the market. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Uh, people that are waiting right now, and this is what I'm telling new real estate investors, it's like, you don't know what's going to be coming around the bend. There could be a correction. There could be like a small correction, 5-10%. There could be a 30% uh, correction. But the point is uh, just acquire the properties at the correct price and you will be good. And if it never corrects, you're never going to buy. So, And over a 30-year period, that correction is going to look like a little tick, a little down tick. So, you know... You buy when you're ready, when you can afford to, and uh, 
and just get that cash flow and keep keep acquiring more properties at a reasonable price. Like it doesn't, you know, if the market's going up and, you know, uh, you don't want to be paying up too much. You want to make sure that you fundamentally you're buying correctly because uh, then you will never have a problem. But, uh, but yeah, so yeah, timing the market is, I learned myself and you, you just can't do it. It's, yeah. Yeah. So you've mentioned cash flow a few times. Is cash flow what kind of drew you towards student rentals, or yeah, why, why student rentals? Yeah. So actually, it's kind of a funny story. I never really looked at student rentals until there was this place, um, actually by the university, not by the college where I invest now, and um, it was awesome. It was, uh, it was a duplex, a legal duplex, which was strange that it had. The back unit had six bedrooms and the front unit had three bedrooms. So it was nine bedrooms. And um, it was, they were asking $199,000 for this thing. That was in 2012. Oh, wow. I missed out on it. I put in an offer. uh, I forget what my offer was. I think it was two hundred six, And I think the guy got it for like two ten dollars or something like that. And um, so when I saw that, Cause that was huge. That was huge money. You know, you can get four fifty, five hundred dollars a bedroom there. You know, that's huge cash flow. Hmm. So, um, so yeah, when I missed out on that one, uh, I kind of started thinking about student rentals because that was closer to the university. I'd never thought about student rentals. Had always been afraid of it. Um, so I never bothered. But but when I saw how much money you could make uh, just at that one uh, specific property, then I started looking on the MLS to see. Uh, what else was out there in student properties? And I happened to stumble upon uh, uh, the area, this kind of uh, four streets that are a little subdivision right beside Fanshawe College there. And uh, when I saw the the pricing, because of the recent, uh, at the time, in the March... March, uh, St. Yeah, Patrick's March 2012. Day. I yeah. bought actually on Fleming Circle... Uh, uh, we went firm two weeks before that riot. We lost, <laughs> yeah, we probably lost 10% just because of that riot. Right. In the short term. Yeah. Yeah, and now it's... It's it's, look, it's recovered. It, yeah, it's looking quite nice now. Um, but So that's when you first started buying in that area. Yeah. Right like, after the riot. Yeah, well, it wasn't directly right after because I didn't really... It's not like I said, oh, here's a good idea and I'm going to jump right on it. It just it happened to be because of the, the property that I started looking and that was in... Um, uh, June and so or May or June whatever and um so so then I started looking at these properties over there and I was like wow these are really really inexpensive can compared to the uh the age of the homes and the condition like the at the time the houses were 15 years old and they needed like a new roof some flooring and paint and you know so we went in there and just started buying so yeah and you kind of just never stopped buying it seems like (laughs) so i think we'd love to like get more into the student rental stuff but i think we'll maybe just leave that as a teaser for a future episode sure sure (laughs) brain fully into the student rental because i know it's an area of investing that a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions towards right so Mm -hmm. but so you quit your job in 2016 how did you know it was the right time then yeah, it's interesting. Um, we acquired some properties, and by we, I mean I acquired a bunch, and and um, my brother also uh, did 
uh, some joint ventures with me as well. Um, but I think, I think basically what I wanted to achieve uh, was I wanted to make sure that I had enough income that I would never have to go back to work a regular job again, uh, you know, because uh, I didn't have a like post-secondary education. I, uh, and so I wanted to make sure that that job that I had been working for for almost 20 years, my first job ever, that, um, you know, I would, I would be secure. So basically in, in 2015, I went down from full-time work to just working one day a week. And the reason why I did that is because I, I knew that the, the cash flow that was coming in from my properties exceeded, uh, what I was making at work. So then I went down to one day a week and then, um, and then in 2016, I, I quit entirely and, uh, yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So on that note, what have you been doing with your time since then? Relaxing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like that, that, uh, especially, yeah, it actually was a very short turnaround. Like you basically, I, I went from just living in a duplex in 2011 uh, and then in 2012, when I started buying the student properties, you know, I went in three years, you know, I went from just starting buying the properties to basically going down to one day a week, basically quitting mm-hmm. in three years. So it shows you that if you move quickly and work hard, you can really make something happen. And so did you have a plan from the beginning or did it just keep evolving with each property? Like, did you set out in 2012 and you're like, I'm going to buy X number of properties and then I know I will be there. Yeah. Like, um, I didn't, originally I didn't set out, um, to quit my job. Uh, although I always wanted that. Like (laughs) I didn't, I didn't like, I won't say that I said, Oh, I'm going to get this number of properties and I'm going to quit. Um, it was more like it evolved, like we did buy a few in the first year. So it, um, so it allowed, it, it caused me to think that, Hey, there, there could be, um, there's definitely something to this. Actually, that was after the first one. I was like, wow, this is amazing. Uh, I can't believe how great the students are and, um, and the cash flow is good. So, um, so then I, I started buying a few more and then I think it probably after I bought the third one, I think, uh, I started saying, wow, I can, you know, I can eventually quit my job. So what does your life look like now? Like I'm sure for a while it was a lot of get the financing on these properties, close on them, manage contractors, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Now that you've kind of quit your job and I mean, I assume you've gotten your real estate to a point where like it doesn't take up as much of your time as it may have before. Yeah. So what is, uh, like, what are, are you chasing any new passions or anything like that now that you have maybe more free time? Yeah, it, it's interesting because you're right. You go from, you go from working 40 hours a week plus probably working at least another 40, uh, at your rental properties, uh, to down to doing, uh, you know, right now I'm probably doing less than five hours a week of work, um, and you just round that down to four. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 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 Excuse me. Four hour work week. I should say, yeah, I don't think I've ever read that book, but, uh, but yeah. So what is, what do things look like now? Um, yeah, it's pretty relaxed. Um, I'm just kind of like seeing what's going to happen next. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just 
involving myself in uh, like the fire uh, meetups and uh, you know doing some other like uh, side projects uh, some animal rights stuff I do um, you know some hiking stuff like that you know nice. keep myself busy and uh, yeah it's not too bad so it's I'm not incredibly busy but but I'm being you know I'm being productive how is it how have you found that like the community here in London have you like, is that something that you, that you had before? Or is this something pretty new to like have that be surrounded by people who have a similar mindset to yourself? Yeah, that's, that's new. Like when I first started going to the fire meetups, I think it was like maybe January of uh, this year, 2017. Um, yeah. Like I, like I have a few people in my life that are, you know, into, you know, either investing or something like that, but not, not, not to the extent of the fire people, like the fire people, (laughs) that sounds funny, but the, I think think a lot of people feel somewhat isolated in their pursuits until they get surrounded by people like that who are moving in the same direction and they start feeling a little bit less crazy. They get, they get, they start developing friendships with these people. And, uh, yeah, just, I, for myself, it made life a whole lot better. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, uh, like I'm, I'm sitting here talking to you guys and, uh, because of the fire meetup and like you said, you meet great people. Like I just put a Facebook, um, a post out today, just uh, asking people if they want to, you know, any of my non fire friends, if they want to join the fire meetup, because, you know, it's just been so beneficial. So thank you guys for, uh, <laughs> thank you for creating it. And, uh, you know, uh, like that's what we want to do spread the word yeah, so we, want like... to, we want to bring these people out from the woodwork there's enough people who i've met even last like at our most recent meetup um somebody came out that had been doing this for years uh she was doing airbnbs here in london and like there weren't a lot of people around her that were like cheering her on and you know how many like a lot of people might see, think it's strange to live in a you know the smaller unit of your building and then rent out the other parts or airbnb out the other parts but a lot of us would be like, like, that's awesome. Yeah. Do more of that. Like it's like maybe their friends and family might not react the same way. Yeah, no, you're a hundred percent right. It's funny. Just going back to what you were saying, talking about the latest meetup, I was talking to a new member and I was, I was saying to her, I was, cause she was talking about, you know, eventually wanting to buy a house. And I, I immediately, of course, going back to what you were saying that I immediately said to her, okay, you want to buy a multi-unit building and you want to live in one and you want to rent the others. And I said, uh, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to be an expert in real estate um, or you have to like make that your career because you might have other aspirations in your life uh, or other business aspirations Mm -hmm. as well. But it's a good way to get your feet wet and just to try it out and, um, and also just live for free, right? So... Yeah, it's not a coincidence that myself, yourself, Matt, and Michael Rosehart are all living in multifamily properties, yeah. and a multitude of our other friends are doing the same thing because your most expensive monthly uh, expenses, your mortgage or your rent, and to be able to to be able to live for free, I mean, yeah, you can retire that much sooner, or you can be financially independent that much sooner. Yeah, yeah, I I have, I have to agree. What am I going to say about that? Right, <laughs> you know. Uh, and- so I think that segues really well into another section, the, a reoccurring section we have here, which is called spreadsheet junkies. And so the idea behind that is we just kind of want to know, are you a net worth tracker or more of like a budgeter or tracking your expenses or do you just fly by the seat of your pants? Okay. <laughs> this is an interesting point. 
because I know a lot of the fire people are very uh, into budgeting and, and, and especially because they they want to retire so early in their careers that they're really strict. And it's funny because I never really thought about things that way. Like I remember when I bought my first house, I did a rough estimate. Like I'm like, okay, my mortgage is going to be this much and utilities are going to be this much. My car payment, blah, blah. Well, not my car payment, excuse me. I didn't <laughs> pay cash for my car, but, but, um, but yeah, just my insurance and whatever. And so just a basic, like uh, back of the napkin, uh, you know, kind of uh, calculation. And that's the kind of the way I look at um, budgeting for myself. I, I kind of have like this like radar uh, for budgeting when I know I'm getting a little off, uh, off budget, you know, so I just kind of mentally keep track of that, but I've never been one to, other than my rental properties, clearly I, I keep, uh, those, you know, the expenses on those, I track them, but yeah, so it's more of a, it's more of a, just being reasonable. Like I, I, I've always, uh, just been reasonable with my expenses. Try not to spend too much on consumables like everybody else does, you know, that type of thing. So, uh, we talked about how, you know, you came out of high school and started doing rental properties or what was the story there? And I guess, what are your thoughts on post-secondary education? Do you think it's, do you think it's necessary? Do you think it's beneficial? Do you think there's one answer for everybody? Well, that's the beauty of life. Uh, every, everybody's different. Every situation is different. So like blanket statements, that's, that's the worst thing about, uh, when people give advice, it's like no advice is, is, is for everyone. And uh, I know from myself, like I came out of high school and then of course, actually the truth is I went into post-secondary uh, school actually at the college that I now run a bunch of rental properties at and I dropped out after like six weeks. <laughs> yeah, chemistry is not my friend. I was taking environmental technology there and it was a, it was, it was a hard program for me. It's the sciences and the math is, is very difficult for me. So I just decided, well, that's not for me. And I'm just going to start working. And I just started banking money and, um, started investing in mutual fund stocks, this type of thing, and then got myself going that way. Yeah. Awesome. But, oh, excuse me. Sorry. I should say, uh, so what about uh, post-secondary? So I think for some people, it's amazing. Like some people want to find a profession. They want to do something where, uh, that needs, uh, you know, uh, like a university or college degree in order to, to achieve. So, you know, it's not all about, not everything is about, um, just quitting your job and, and going parasailing or whatever people do. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's about, uh, it's about being able to, do whatever you want to do, but also if you like working and uh, doing a job, like say you're a neurosurgeon, well, I'm pretty sure you probably like that job and, and you, sh you know, you're doing a very valuable service for, uh, for everybody. So, um, you know, there's definitely nothing wrong with, uh, with keeping your day job and, uh, doing something that you love. As long as you're doing something that you love, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter you know, again, there's no, uh, there's no single answer for one person. Everybody has to decide what they like to do and uh, what they can make money at. And if they want to do other things on the side too, that's fine. It's uh, funny. Like I think about, uh, like you said, blanket statements are never a good thing, but how many, how many of us have heard that like you have to go to university? Like you basically have to go to university now if you want to get a good job and that kind of thing. Like I 
that may be true if you want to get a good job, but getting a good job isn't the only way. You know, you can you could become an entrepreneur or even if you do want to get a good job, getting good experience could be another way. Um, I think about my own path and, you know, from the beginning of university to the end plus five years of working before I started buying any rental properties, we're looking at a nine year period. Could I have gotten myself to that same net worth? If we're looking at this from a purely financial perspective, could I have gotten myself to that same net worth in nine years had I just started working almost anywhere and just saved for nine years? There's a pretty good chance I could have, maybe even more. So like, yeah, <laughs> school's definitely not the only way, especially when we're looking at how much it costs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, no, you're right. Uh, yeah. There's, there's lots of different paths to this, you know, to, to get what you are looking for in life. Uh, yeah. lots of different ways. And you know, one of those ways is if you're, you know, 15 years old and you're running a, you know, your YouTube channel and you're making tons of money and you know, you're doing great. Like, why would you need to, like, it would be detrimental to you to go to post-secondary because you already have like people don't care about certification but you know if you can do what you say you're gonna do and especially you know if, if you're known to be an expert in an area like people don't care they're not looking at your resume people people want want to get value from you so if you provide value to lots of people and that's a big thing that I talk about is value uh, and you, you provide value and people will want your service or, or, or whatever. So, mm -hmm. yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Um, so switching gears here a bit, Dan, what do you value? What's a guilty pleasure of yours? Where do you splurge? Where do I splurge? Um, I don't know. I like, I like to eat out a lot. Um, so I guess I splurge there cause they always say that's blasphemy in the, in the fire. Community, yeah. you know? Well it is. And it, you know, it, it can be, um, it, and it definitely was for me before. Like I would never do that before. Uh, you know, it, like it was very, you know, it wasn't very often that I, I would eat out and again with clothing purchases and stuff like that, all these consumables, they consume your bank account. Right. So, <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I was very wary of that type of uh, expenditure, but, but now it's, it's, you know, I'm financially independent, so I can, you know, I have no problem with spending a reasonable amount of money on doing what I love and there's, there's nothing wrong with going on vacation or, or whatever it is, uh, as long as you're, you know, acting within your budget. So, so yeah, give us a specific example. Where's somewhere you like to splurge a restaurant here in London or a special meal or, well, I, I go to uh, the um, the Ground Up Cafe on Richmond Street. If you're looking for something nice, vegan meal, I, I enjoy that quite a bit. They're awesome. Yeah, it's it's a it's not a huge menu, but um, the the people there, like the workers and uh, the owner there, are, are excellent. Um, and it's a good atmosphere, and like you're saying, the food is awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, there's a few places in London I like to visit. So another question we had for you is like, how do you, how, how do you recommend other people or how did you find your tribe? Um, whether that's in the financial independence community or otherwise. Yeah. I, like it's gotta be the fire meetup. Like, um, most of, like I was saying before, like people in, people in my life are good with money, but it's, they, they, they just don't have that same, um, kind of psychotic, uh, 
one track mind uh as far as getting ahead uh, you know trying to achieve your goal for financial independence like uh, like the fire people do like they everybody that comes to the meetups it's like you, you get inspired by all these people even though i'm already financially independent i'm like wow you know you guys are doing some, you know people are doing some amazing things i think like we like we're lucky to have this i mean we started it but we're also really lucky to be a part of it um, and for anyone that isn't in London, uh, well, for anyone that is in London, definitely come out, but otherwise start up your own or search on meetups.com or Facebook groups and try and find on bigger pockets, see if you can find meetup groups in your own town. Um, I know it changed my life. I know there's a lot of other people that say the same thing. So, um, for anyone that's, yeah. Yeah. Finding, finding your own group, finding your tribe is just so powerful. It just, you're the average of the five people you spend most time with. It's just, uh. I feel like that's just a fact. But uh, so talking about our tribe, our London on Fire tribe, uh, Nathan Betts asked on our London on Fire Facebook group, uh, what other assets or vehicles are people using to build wealth other than real estate rentals or ETFs? Uh, hard money lending, question mark. Um, so Dan, are you doing anything other than real estate or ETFs or is that mainly your sole focus? Okay, well... Uh, the way I kind of look at this, and I, I think I was talking to you about this the other day, um, it's you, you have a circle of competence. Um, so it's fine to get outside of that if you, you have like conservative investments because you're trying to, you know, at some point you've got to start trying to protect your assets. So that's why I kind of stick with real estate. Um, like I do have some, like a limited stock portfolio. Uh, like a with my pen, uh, a pension fund that I got from my old job, but uh, so I do that just for entertainment value, really. But um, but other than that, I I want to keep investing in real estate because it's just such a great asset class. But just being able to get assets that are uh, undervalued, so I I think that's well, I know that's what I did. So of course I'm going to talk about that. But um, yeah, getting undervalued assets and and realizing that, hey, eventually these um, these assets will be val full, fully or overvalued. So how do you recognize those undervalued assets? Yeah, so it's funny because everybody always talks about the one percent rule and blah blah blah. I, I started a little bit before bigger pockets started, so um, I don't know. I always looked at like, okay, how many, how much money is the, how much money is the cash flow per month, you know. Um, so I think about that, like as far as real estate is concerned, but I guess you have to compare um, like assets. So, you know, if you've got like, for instance, in my line of work, it's kind of easy. A good way to think about it is, um, okay, so you've got the university, Western uh, University, and then you've got the Fanshawe College in London. And um, you can compare those two just like I compare them personally by um, how much, uh, how much the the house costs per bedroom. So if you compare those per bedroom prices between the college and the university, and then you compare the um, the cash flow per bed, you could compare the cash flow per bedroom as well. And uh, that's how I kind of compare like the type of asset that I buy. But then of course, you're gonna like, if you have multifamily, you're gonna uh, compare those or stocks, bonds, whatever it is. So uh, generally, just, whatever's yeah. cash flowing higher is kind of what you'd prefer to invest in, right? Yeah. And if it's cash flowing more like than somewhere else, then maybe it's a little bit undervalued. Maybe, you know, in the coming years, it'll go up. I mean, that's, that's what you ended up seeing. 
Yeah, yeah, like, um, yeah, it's it's not the only criteria, but it's a beginning uh, just to see, hey, is this even worth it? Yeah. And then, you know, you, you delve deeper into, like, obviously you're going to want a good location, but anywhere near a university is going to be great. Cool. There's a, another group we follow on Reddit uh, called Financial Independence, and uh, somebody on there named uh, JTWI asked, is there anyone else that feels poor no matter how much money you have? Is that something you've ever thought about? Maybe not so much now as you had in the past? Um, well, it's interesting because I've kept, for the past five years, I've, and I'm sure you guys feel the same way, I've kept myself poor. This is very common with uh, people that are uh, financially independent. They want to keep, uh, they want to keep uh, reinvesting those profits into more property or stock or whatever they're buying. And uh, so I've kept myself poor over the last five years. So I have kind of periodically, I, I feel like, oh, I'm, I'm good. And then I'm like, oh, I'm going to spend all my money and buy and another And it's funny because that money is not being spent. It's being invested. Right. And Graham Stephan actually did a video on that recently. Uh, he was, he, we had uh, interviewed him in our, one of our previous episodes. And he was saying how by the end of the year, he's always broke. And he was using that as a kind of a metaphor for like, you know, why, why he always invests all of his money by the end of the year. If you're always on your edge of your seat, kind of ready to, uh, ready to adapt, make more money, then uh, yeah, it's it's a it's a common mindset that we see um, amongst people in this community. Yeah, no, I, I thought I, I did see that video actually, and I thought it was very good. And he he did uh, preface it by saying like you you know you need a you need other funds that are you know going to secure you if there's ever like you know your you know how people say the roof leaks or whatever (laughs) you know so emergencies yeah emergencies so he you know the the way he did that uh, when he talked about that uh, it made it made sense it it makes sense to keep investing but uh, now I want to get to the point where it's like um, you know have a little extra money even more than the that on the side just to uh, you know because you don't always have to keep investing especially considering the market is uh very hot right now. So well, that, that reminded me of actually Michael Rosart. We, he had asked, how do you know when to stop? So you'd mentioned like, it's always nice to have a little bit more. How do you know when, how do you know when it's enough? Oh yeah. Well, that's a good question. It's, it's different for everybody. Uh, I know for me being financially independent, uh, that, that going back to the earlier question about how many, you know, how many properties did you need kind of to quit your job? Um, you know, it, I kind of, you know, I was already financially independent essentially when I was still working. So I, I just wanted enough where it gave me um, security that I knew that no matter what, I would I would just have that buffer, that extra buffer even over top of my regular expenses or even my expenses that have been increased. So I wanted an extra buffer on top of that. And then... So it's just whatever you, whatever allows you to sleep at night. For some people, um, you know, putting the, their their money in an ETF uh, that's broad based will give them security that they need uh, to be able to sleep at night, and that's that's important too, right? So. So you've been sleeping easily for the last year now. Haven't been retired for over a year now, Dan. Um, what what's next? What's like on the horizon? Well, I know for myself, I'm just waiting and seeing. <laughs> of course, I told everybody earlier that they should, you know, continue to buy property. But, uh, um, you know, I, I'm just kind of seeing because uh, I have uh, a few properties now 
I can kind of, there's no need for, there's no need to go and, you know, chase after. There's no need to chase. So deals will start coming to me. Uh, and so I, I feel pretty confident of that. Um, Sounds like you enjoy doing it, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, I do enjoy doing it. Uh, I enjoy getting acquiring new properties and getting it painted my color, which is fossil gray. That's you, know, <laughs> you, can, you can get that at Dulux. A uh, little shout out to Dulux there. Um, yeah, so so I like that. And um, in the future, I want to be buying um, you know larger buildings uh, like apartment complexes, more uh, for appreciation. Uh, which I think is common uh, for real estate investors to originally um, start out with uh, uh, getting a bunch of properties for cash flow and then later on uh, buying properties for appreciation because you already have that cash flow. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, before we kind of wrap things up, uh, is there anywhere people should, if they want to learn more about you, like follow your journey? Should they follow you anywhere on social media? or? Yeah, like they can follow me on Instagram. Uh, my name on Instagram is Dan Warren Vegan. Uh, just all one word and uh, yeah cool what can awesome. they expect to see there I have no idea <laughs> I'm not it's not too exciting right now for my uh, for my Instagram apartment can, buildings yeah. no I, you know what I, I don't food. have yeah yeah that's right uh, pictures I don't know but uh, yeah <laughs> right now I don't have a bunch of it going right now but um, you know I'm gonna start doing a little bit more of that but you know we'll see, we'll see. <laughs> were there any questions that for the audience that you wanted to ask yeah, like um, my question would be for the audience is what is stopping them from getting, sorry, achieving the goal that they, they want in life? That's interesting. Yeah. Matt always talks about the value of reverse engineering. So I think identifying your goal, identifying what your roadblocks are and, and what steps you need to do to get over them or past them. Um, yeah, that's a, it's smart. It's something that we all talk about in theory, but don't sit down and whiteboard out enough, I think. Yeah, so uh, let us know on our Facebook page. We'll have uh, a question there. Uh, Dan's question will be there, and we look forward to uh, seeing your answers. And otherwise, thank you, Dan, so much for joining us on this podcast. Thanks a lot, Dan. This was awesome. Thank you, guys. I enjoyed it. Thank you. That was great. I hope you guys got value from it. It was great hearing about Dan's views on market timing. I completely agree with his perspective. Yeah, I I really liked hearing about how he's spending his time now that he's financially independent. Uh, We're not necessarily going to be able to get a lot of people in that stage, so it's really awesome to hear what people are up to. The question we're all going to hear often is, what do you do with your time? So it was great to hear how he's spending more time with friends and family and focusing on causes that are important to him. And a cause that's important to me, a cause that's important to us, is getting us more followers. So check us out on London on Fire's Facebook group. We're also on meetup.com, and you can find our website on firepodcast.ca. And make sure to tune in to our next episode, where we interview Peter Klosko, and he's just at the beginning of his financial journey. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen, signing off. And until the next episode, remember, f*** being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy, and always remember what Anna Lapp said. Every time you spend money, you're casting a vote for the kind of world you want.